You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Hey, Eric, what's happening? What's up, man? How you been? I've been good. Retired early is uh, still working pretty well for me. <laughs> Rubbing it in? No, not at all. Uh, in fact, I just thought it was a, a handy lead-in to a topic that I thought we maybe could talk about today. And, you know, there's a lot of discussion in the FIRE community about the FI part of FIRE and focusing on achieving financial independence. But whether you want to stop there or not, an awful lot of people do elect to retire early, either right after they achieve financial independence or maybe later on. And there's a lot of different gradations of that, too. It doesn't just mean one thing to some people. The RE means recreational employment. It doesn't mean retire early at all. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a big, broad topic. And I thought it was a great example of something that's really appropriate for two sides of five, because you're contemplating what retiring early means and, you know, how you will carry that out. I am three years into retire early. And, you know, while we've touched on how I came to that decision and what I did to get there, it's not something we've dove into. And so why not talk about it today? Yeah, I, uh, I feel a little bit seen here because did have some comments on uh, everyone's got an opinion they uh, do. on uh, what it means to be retired and how what what. Um, yeah, anyway. I'll leave it there. Yeah. I wasn't asking for opinions necessarily. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> without using these words, there's a lot of referring on Reddit and elsewhere to the Internet Retirement Police. Yeah, exactly. Because some people would say what I'm doing, you know, that one day a week fun job at the winery, even though it has nothing to do with my career. It's certainly not something I do purely for income. Some would say, well, you're not retired. Sorry, you can't check the box. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't. I I actually don't know where this comes from. Do you have any any ideas? I you know I think it's a mix of things, and without projecting onto other people's uh, you know kind of mental state, I'd say some of it's envy, right? Some people want to get to retirement, and some of them may not like their job at all, and they just can't wait to be done with it. Others are maybe just being overly pedantic, right? They have an image of what fire means, and that doesn't fit it. Um, and I, honestly, I don't think those are the majority of people, but they are certainly a vocal group uh, who like to talk about what is retired and what is not retired. One of the things that uh, jumped out to me, and I, I, I received a couple of comments like this um, when I started talking about um, pulling Laura into my business as I look to do this glide path and say, you know, let's say I shut the business down over the next three or four years. And yeah. I talked about uh, working part time in the business and some people were like, no way not possible that's not a that's not a part-time business which right without knowing anything about what i do sure how, the things that i've set up or any of that right but they said um to pull your wife into that it's just irresponsible you know you shouldn't yeah. you're expecting her to do that and you know i showed my wife some of these comments and she's like boy they don't have a lot of faith and confidence in you know me being able to think for myself or the fact that you and i may have talked about this behind the scenes what that might look like and right you know, I think it's very, it is a very individual decision on how you choose to approach retirement. I mean, one of the things I've, I'm pretty worried about is walking into retirement and not having specific projects to work on. And for me, that has a certain set of parameters associated with it. I, I yeah. actually like the fact that I can still earn money. Like, I like that. That's interesting sure. to me. And so just to give that up 
for no other reason than to say, oh, I just need to be completely retired, completely checked out. You know, I was trying to think about what my ideal day might be like in retirement. And I do see some project time in there. Yeah. I actually, I'm glad that you, you shared that because I think it's a pretty good jumping off point. And I actually like the idea of starting with you first, because let's face it, most of our audience looks more like you. They're somewhere on the path to financial independence. It might be a few weeks away. It might be a few years. It could be 15, 20 years away. And so I think an idea that came to me as I thought about this topic was wondering what you and how your thoughts have evolved from a few years ago when you kind of found yourself on this path, right? You were surprised to learn you, you were heading for financial independence. You could see it, even if it wasn't right in front of you, it was down the road a little bit. But you must have had an image of what the goal of that would be and what retiring early would look like. So I'm curious about how that's evolved. Where did you start versus where have you come to more recently? Some of the comments you're talking about. Yeah, I think the starting image was born out of some kind of lower level unhappiness in the job that I had created for myself. You know, that, that old quote, like I should be loyal to the nightmare of my own choosing. <laughs> yeah. That's and, a good one. And, um, you know, for, I think I, I struggled with that for a while and then I realized I just needed to make some change changes. And I think, you know, as any business owner will tell you, uh, the great thing about having your own business is that you have that agency. A lot of people don't have that True. they, you know, and I've read a lot of comments on some of our videos that say, you know, I'm working in a job that I just can't stand. I, I get up in the morning and I, it's a grind for me, you know, and I, and I yeah. can, and I think my headspace early on when I first found this was like, I was kind of looking for an exit, an exit door. And so the, the break for me looked very more like a cliff, like what you did, okay. like walk yeah. away from that. And then step into retirement and the you know the hedonistic period of sitting on the beach with you know beer in my hand and my ties <laughs> yeah just relaxing and traveling and all of that right that yeah you know a lot of people do that anyway right they they get to retirement and they take a year off and just like blow it out and so yeah. that was my initial dream and i guess the the more i've been encouraged by you and others you know people like Fritz um, with the retirement manifesto to say like, you should be retiring to something. Right. The more I started thinking about that and, you know, thinking about what that ideal day actually looks like, I do want some little aspects of work. Like I want projects, like I just said, that fill some of my time. I don't want that to be the whole of my time. And as I've sort of trying to build myself out of the business now, I'm, trying to put some hard bounds between w things I want to do and things I enjoy doing and things I just don't enjoy doing. And so I'm, I'm really trying to make these lists that say, when I step into retirement, these are the things that I want to go away in an ideal world. And working is going to look like it's going to look different for me. But that's been a, a change over the p past, I would say, three years. You know, I, yeah. it hasn't, it wasn't something where I was like, oh, now, now I've changed my mind here. It's just been a gradual process. As I've become happier with the business I've created, I think the thing that has made me happier is starting to eliminate those things. Like Doc G said, you know, take all those things in your day that you don't like doing and start kind of crossing them off. And ultimately you end up with this, you know, span of time that you're working on things that you really do enjoy and love. And That's my right. ideal retirement would be a mix of a lot of different things and, but not probably not 100% no work. How about you? T tell me about your 
your initial vision and, and actually what came to pass? Yeah, for sure. And, and one difference between your journey and my journey is that I had set in my head and my wife and I had agreed going back to your point, right? This, these are decisions we came to together, just like you and Laura are. Lori and I had discussed this stuff at length. We knew for a while that I was desirous of retiring early. And at some point that was nebulous and then it became 55 and it got progressively pulled in. And suddenly we realized at uh, 46 that we were there. A lot of things came in our favor. And so we thought, okay, now it's time to plan. And we had never really set a date until that point or even really started crystallizing in a date. We're like, yeah, it's within the next few years. Well, you know, after financial independence, we started saying to, you know, very explicitly, okay, what does it look like? All right. I know having thought about this or I believed, right, you can't know till you do it. I wanted to stop working in that career. I was done with doing the type of biotech jobs I had done throughout my entire career journey. I was going to stop doing that. Now, what I might do was less clear, right? Was I interested in consulting? Was I doing this or that? Totally different business. We started to talk about a lot of ideas, but I did start to say, I'm going to stop doing this. And so naturally, the next conversation point became when. And so, you know, we looked at where we were lifestyle wise and financially, and I didn't, I elected to work for about another year. And that was the plan. And that wasn't so much about building a buffer. I actually went back and revisited those conversations <laughs> after our recent conversation on two sides of five. Oh, check out and my work, huh? It was about, no, honestly, it was a really good opportunity for me to reflect. It's easy how with three and a half years of distance, you don't really remember all yeah. the details of what you talked about. But, sure. you know, it looked something like this. It was like, well, we know we're going to move. We're going to move out of the area. And we're not going to do that for at least a year because we wanted our teenager to be out of, high, uh, out of junior high. We wanted to move between middle school and high school. And that's what we as a family, all three of us had talked about. And also, I had some additional equity that was going to come to pass. It wasn't life changing, but, you know, it, it made sense to as much as I was still enjoying my job, at least consider staying long enough to let that vest. And then lastly, I saw an opportunity at work to downshift the intensity of the type of work I was doing. I was leading a very large organization. There was an opening to do something a lot less and in many respects stressful and to shed having a large organization reporting to me and just build some skills and enjoy doing something very different, but in a safe way, right? At a, at a company I liked working at with a, both the same boss who I enjoyed having. And I actually thought I might build some skills. You might remember we talked about this that would help me if I did choose to do some consulting. And so all those things together said, I'm going to stay about another year. And that as a family made a lot of sense. My hours got more regular than they were. I did start traveling a bit less too. And it was very much my decision when I did travel. And that was a bit different than it was in the past. And so I guess in some respects, it is sort of a, a down ramping of work like a lot of people talk about. Yeah. But for me, it wasn't so much driven by cutting hours as it was cutting the intensity of work and then deciding here's the date. Now I'm going to stop doing the career. And that's pretty much what I did. But like motivation wise, did you want to leave because you were kind of tired of the grind or I don't know if you feel comfortable saying that, but. Oh, no, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually a few things. Number one was just the pace and the intensity. It's just like in, in many people's jobs, you know, it comes to a point where you're like, I'd be happy if that was removed. Yes. As much as there are these things I like and these relationships I fostered and enjoying seeing customers satisfied and having a great team that you enjoy working with every day and watching them develop, 
it's like you were talking about the positive things and the negative things. And I definitely didn't see an easy way to keep the, the, the handful of positive things I really enjoyed and the money that went along with it yeah. without shedding all this other stuff that just, I didn't see it. And, and in addition, and maybe equally as much, I knew there was other stuff I always felt like I never had enough time to do. And some of those were big things and some of those were little tiny things that I just was really excited to address. And so I was honest with myself that I didn't know after I started ticking off things on that list that I might want to go back to work. Um, and so I had this strategy where I started an LLC that was for consulting. So I'd be set up if I wanted to consult. It would be kind of a fail-safe plan on LinkedIn where it would be clear that I was still working um, in case I decided to go back. And, you know, it would, but it would allow me to explore the areas we've talked about before yeah. on the show, you know, programming, maybe becoming a pilot, you know, more travel, blah, 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 right? Um, but yeah, I, I really felt like I was done doing the bulk of things I had done in my career. Did you feel more emboldened to say no to things that previously you would have accepted just to, out of duty? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I definitely found myself like being conscious about that and like wanting to, because I, I definitely have a bit of a people pleaser phenotype when it comes to work. And especially if it's people I respect, I want to oh, do yeah. things and keep them, keep them in a, you know, me in high esteem with them. It's, yeah. a, it's something I've learned a lot about myself over the years. But I did more consciously choose when to say no or kind of, you know, specifically request, uh, you know, reprioritizing things instead of trying to do all of it under the same timeline, which is honestly what I would previously try to do a lot. Yeah. So I really did start to look at that last year to year and a half as down ramping the intensity of what I was doing because I was honestly no longer climbing. Um, I, I was happy with the level I was at. I knew I had no aspirations of going higher. Um, and I had a projected end date. So yeah, I definitely consciously ramped a lot of stuff down. Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi. If you've been listening to Jason and I on the podcast, you may not be aware that we also have a YouTube channel. And quite often, we have supporting graphics, charts, information, and even a few outtakes that don't fit well in an audio format. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can find us on YouTube at Two Sides of Fi. I was, I was listening to this um, podcast recently and they were talking about this concept of FU money, which I'm sure you've heard of, right? Yeah. And FU money allows you to make different decisions and say different things. Um, and they, they were saying it, you know, the, the sort of bigger players, the people who have the FU money, the questions yeah. they ask are just different questions. It's like, what kind of life do I want this to be? So instead of thinking of it as like, I can tell my my boss to go to hell and I'm out of here anytime I want, which there's a certain amount of freedom associated with that. You know, it's more sure. about envisioning what's next. Like what's the, what's, what door can I walk through and what possibility am True. I opening up? I think a lot of people, if they are working a job that they absolutely hate, that's the, that's the sole motivation to get out of there. Um, I think so. Saluting the boss on the way out the door, you know, and, uh, and I think it, the harder work in front of you is figuring out what that life looks like. And I, I know that you've worked for the past couple of years trying to define what that is. And some of that has involved side jobs. Some of that's involved, you know, practice vocations, I, yeah. other ideas. It's a lot of stuff floating around that we've talked about in recent episodes. Yeah. So do you feel like you could have done better planning beforehand? 
Uh, I think you can always do better planning. There, yeah. there, there's a limit to everything. But I mean, something that you and I have discussed both on air and off air here is this idea of I don't think I did a good enough job thinking about the, the intangible positive things I got from work, right? That validation, reinforcement, yeah, encouragement. You, you talked about that. But I mean, just that's just, real. Just in terms of like, what could you like, what tangible things could you have yeah. done? You know, because I think a lot of people can say, okay, I've heard him say that, but sure. how could I prepare if, if I wanted to, like, is it, is it really just like taking a side job while you're working and just kind of test, test the waters or is yeah. it, because my wife, if I talk to my wife about this, she says, I don't even want to think about this until I get into that zone and then I'll think yeah. about it. And that's kind of what you did. Yeah, it is. It is Eric. And I, I think if I'm, if I'm putting myself back in that headspace. I think a lot of me at the time was like, I can't know what it's really like until I get there. And so yeah. I'm only going to spend a certain type of energy on it. And I'm not saying that was the right thing. I, I you know, something you said at the top of this conversation that you've said before, and I think you know, Fritz may have said it when he talked to us on our show was this idea of, well, what's an average day look like? What's an average week look like? Yeah. Because I think if I was honest with myself, yeah. And I really thought about, well, consulting, that sounds like a convenient thing to do. But when you really get remind yourself what it takes to consult, yeah. you're doing client work, it's on someone else's schedule, even if you're highly selective, like you are in picking your architecture clients, and you're only working with people who are going to pay what you feel you're worth, you're still beholden to other people's priorities. And if I had really thought about that, <laughs> I would have known what I figured out within just a few months of retiring early. And that is I have no interest in doing that because it's just my time not being controlled by me anymore. I, so, if, I mean, if I had pra done a practical exercise of what is a, what do I think a good day looks like? What does a week look like? And how might I divide up my time? If I just spent a little more time itemizing that, which it sounds like you're doing, which is cool, I think I would have been better equipped to know I'm not going to do that. It's a little scary, though, to do that exercise because I started <laughs> yeah. blocking it out a little bit. I thought, OK, OK, this is a lot of time. <laughs> this is a lot well, of time. And then you're somebody and who likes to keep pretty busy, too. But I'll tell you what what I end up doing now with the business, uh, every spare waking moment, if I'm not doing something else, I'm in here. I'm 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 putting it toward work. And okay. I know that is a toxic trait of my own that I need to, I need to draw some harder lines. Cause I fear that line between when I've said, okay, now it's a glide path. Yeah. There is no hard stop here. I fear that that blurring of boundaries between, you know, work and personal, it never goes away. Yeah. I never have an opportunity to say, okay, close the door on the business. Right. Enough is enough. And I think, you know, some of the criticism that I took on that episode where I was talking about doing the glide path there was, yeah. Hey, he's never going to shut it down. You know, he, you know, he's clearly a workaholic and then he's going to ask his wife to retire and she's going to be sitting on the sidelines, not doing anything, which yeah. is number one, not true, but yeah. also I know myself well enough to know that I can invest a lot of time into personal projects. Yeah, you can. That can look a lot like business. <laughs> so I don't know what to do with that other than like if I'm traveling, I'm probably not doing this, but right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Well, um, let me ask this, Eric. Yeah. Uh, so if, if you can, and, and I don't know if this is a comfortable area or not for the show, I'm personally interested either way. Um, do you understand the motivation that you have now that drives you into the studio? I mean, I know it's convenient. It's, it's tens of feet from your house, but you know, do you understand the motivation that drives you to spend so much time now doing that versus how you might think about it in the future? And are those two things different? 
It's a good question. Yeah, the motivation right now is pretty strong uh, to get to that number, and I can see right. it now. I couldn't, like, it was, like you said, the closer you get to it, the higher the resolution becomes. And you're like, okay, totally. this is definitely going to happen now. And so now it's a matter of, well, I could work more, and I could get there faster. Yeah. Um, and sacrificing sacrificing some time up front, of course. But when I get there, I, I have the fear, which I think you're poking at, is like, okay, well, we're going to just keep changing the number. <laughs> and it's never going to be enough. You know what I mean? And my wife and I have kind of brushed up against that recently. Okay. Um, just talking about things. You know, the business has had some really good successes lately. And yeah. we start moving the goalposts again. And uh, what... I noticed once we did once we did that, uh, we got back into an old headspace. We were like this kind of scarcity mindset again. It's like, oh man, we got yep. we really got to uh, we got to drive even harder now. And so we're, we're we're trying to work through that. I I am not pretending I have this solved. <laughs> right, right. Um, but we are talking about what that means because we have we put a flag in the sand and we said, this is enough. And now yes. we're like, but it could be more. Well, it, as as you as you used to tell me all the time, when when is it enough? Because I mean, my impression, and I, I'm glad we're having this conversation, because my impression to date has been the only time you're moving the goalposts is when you feel like, as a result of conversation, further analysis on your own, you've realized, oh, well, maybe I didn't think about that area well enough. You know, vacation spending, it's actually a little more, or healthcare, or whatever, because I know if you keep any income coming, obviously the healthcare equation changes a yeah. little bit. And where you live may change the options available to you. So I get that kind of movement, but I would start to raise my eyebrow if you say, well, we're just moving the goalposts because the business is doing well. Yeah. Um, I would encourage you to only move move the, the, the line if it's going to you know, m make some tangible difference on the, the, your highest priorities post-career. Yeah, it's good advice. It's good advice. I'll, I'll, I'll try and take it to heart, man. I mean, and I, you know, I, I, I have wondered, and, and you and I talked about this a lot in the first year of this show, um, I was being overly conservative in my withdrawal strategy. Yeah. And part of that was a fear of needing to go back to work when I didn't want to. In other words, not by choice, but feeling like by necessity. And so I get the idea of putting buffers on things. And But like you pointed out to me at the time, you know, you put safety margins on safety yeah. margins. Yeah. And when does it stop? And so at least you know, remind yourselves and hopefully, you know, each of you takes a job wearing the hat of saying like, hey, that's enough or maybe we should consider this because that's healthy relationships. And to, to put any fears to bed that commenters have made, I think you guys have an incredibly healthy relationship. So I'm sure you're being totally open. Um, and, yeah, and yeah. you know, I've certainly seen that. And, and Lori and I certainly do our best. I think she's way better at it than I am about being totally candid and honest about those types of discussions because you do want to have those earlier and be as confident as you can because I think some level of concern or worry is totally normal. We all go through it. Some of us agonize over it more than others, um, but the, all the work you do in advance only makes it better. So, I mean, I, I, there's, there's two sides to it, right? There's like, we're going to feel, you are going to feel so confident in your numbers, but you also don't want to just keep pushing things out either. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's good advice. I appreciate that. Um, it reminds me the we just celebrated Thanksgiving and we had some family in town and um, Laura's mom uh, worked until her mid 70s and retired yeah. um, and we were helping her with some finances because that generation unfortunately 
Um, and it, I'm sure it still happens today, but they were kind of preyed upon uh, by some of these financial instruments that were put in place in terms of retirement plans. And her, her yeah. retirement plan is one of those. Um, and That's so we're, we're kind of trying to unwind some of that. But okay. it was interesting to see the scarcity mindset in play there. She was some, she didn't want us to stop working. She was sort of forced to stop working given because it was a certain situation that had happened. And um, she was someone, she would still be working today and still kind of piling things up. And, you know, we're looking at her and saying, you should be traveling, taking trips, do, you know, all these, you worked your entire life and saved for this event that you're yeah. now in. And she, she, that's all she knows is work. And so she gets into retirement and it's like, she doesn't quite know what to do with it. Now what? Yeah. Now what? Hey, Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, checking in with a quick request. Jason and I love making this show and sharing our conversations, but we need your help spreading the word. The best way to do that is to give us a quick rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you know someone on the Fi path, please hit that share button on your favorite episode. Every little bit helps. Thanks. And it's interesting that she has all the resources to do almost anything she wants sensibly and she's kind of not doing it, you know, and it's, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of trying to take lessons from that too, because Laura and I have both seen, you know, health situations in our family and, and others yeah. and people who, Likewise. you know, don't get a chance to retire and do all these wonderful things. So I have both of these kind of things on my shoulders, you know, these du dueling voices and I'm trying to figure out how to have the balance because i also need the projects i i feel like you need the projects too you know i feel like that's a dimension of your life that went away with work that you're kind of still trying to figure out oh yeah and you know as i kind of proceed down this journey of trying to understand myself and my motivation and my personality better which i've talked about in recent episodes i've learned just how important achievement is to me i mean the good news story lest anyone be worried you can find achievement and gratification in a lot of different things. And so for me, I'm used to having big, time-consuming, difficult projects and succeeding in those things being a thing that gives me primary motivation and satisfaction. Well, I just need to continue to find those things in, in whatever form makes sense at the given point in my life I'm at. And so, you know, planning and executing and reflecting on an amazing long trip is as much a project as anything you would do at work. Yeah, and so, cool. yeah. you know, and, and doing the same, like a creative project, like you're talking about, like whether it's photography or design, like you have all these skills that you want to apply in a non-client based way. Yes. Those are projects too. And so I think it sort of, it behooves us all when we're on the way to retirement, but you know, it's never too late to think about like, what are our primary motivations and how do I fulfill those without a paycheck paycheck driven career because we do fall into routines and expectations and over a, over a long career um the, the you know we rewire our brain for the working period of our life and it's generally the longest part of our life so it's not surprising to me when i actually make myself think about these things that that's why we're reacting post retirement or as we head to retirement that fear settles in because it's a huge shift yes l lest anyone start complaining it is positive it is exciting it's a privilege to be able to have this hard work pay off but that doesn't mean it's trivial to figure out how you 
carry on next, whether that's retiring early or recreational employment or whatever. Laura has a, an employee right now and um, she's getting ready to uh, plan plan out her retirement next year. Uh, so okay. she's, she's re- nearing her full retirement age and she's like, I'm, I'm ready to be done. And she's kind of mapping it out with Laura and she's saying, well, you know, I want to keep some health insurance and I'm, I'm talking yeah. to my financial person and I'm trying to figure out what's, what's sensible to do here. And, but then I started thinking about, you know, all my friends, they're actually still working. They're a little bit younger than I am. And right. what am I going to do with my day? And, you know, I, I don't love the winters here, but if I move away, I'm away from, you know, she's single. She's all of her family is here. So all these things that you kind of put off, kind of push to the back burner, they really yeah. become it, they really come into focus now if you're starting to plan that off ramp. I wanted to ask you, how far in advance did you give your notice? Was it, yeah. I mean, you said a year. Mm-hmm. You talked to somebody sort of higher up probably earlier than yeah. other people. Can, can you remind me what that was? Yeah, so I was in a position that's not trivial to just you know, rehire into. Uh, a lot of domain knowledge went into that role. And so I was reporting directly to the president of the company at that time, who I had a very good uh, open, you know, com- conversational relationship with. And so it was pretty trusting. And so right about the time I set the date around a year before I did it, I had a conversation with my boss where I was honest about that. Um, and I understand that not everybody has that kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, and some people just give the bare minimum, which is often two weeks in, in the U S at least in many careers, or at least it's an expectation. It's not a contractual thing very often, yeah. but for me, it definitely wasn't, but I told him about a year in advance and that was received very well. Cause it left him plenty of time to plan. I had lots of things we wanted together had agreed we would get done and I could still get them done. But then the next question was, you know, how soon do we tell everybody else? And so my peers on the senior staff, we told about a month before. And then shortly after that, we uh, developed a communication strategy and how and when we would tell other people, which eventually involved telling the whole company. So um, I think that answer is going to differ a lot for people. I've had a few conversations recently with people in my you know, personal communication circle, some I've met through the show, and they said, okay, I'm gonna give a month's notice. <laughs> yeah. And that's so I can you know, get everything into place and maybe I can negotiate staying on uh, until after the first of the month, which in the US means you can continue your health benefits for another month. You know, I think people handle this a lot of different ways. I've certainly met a few people as fans of our show who gave the two weeks and that was no more than what was expected and that was totally okay. Yeah. Now it's a lot different for you as a business owner. I imagine you've got to get free of client work, but besides that, do you have constraints that you got to think about? I'm sure Laura will. I mean, yeah, I was asking for a friend basically. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I get it. Yeah. In the future, I don't know when this is going to be because obviously we still have some work to do, but I think from a business standpoint, I, I plan not having clients for a while. It's I'm still, I'm still working through some of those things. So I'm I'm hopeful. That by the time I'm ready, those projects are going to be done, and I think they will. So, based on recent conversations, based on this one, I'm thinking you are in the uh, financial independence, recreational employment camp. Uh, do you think that's accurate, or am I using too broad of a brush to paint your future? Meaning, once I reach my phi number, that I will rec- be recreationally employed. Is that what you mean? Well. I- well, it sounds to me like that's where you're headed. You're going to shed the things about work that you don't like. You're going to have much more flexibility in hours, but you're going to continue to produce and earn money just in 
focusing on the things that you truly are motivated and care about creating. I, you can't put me in a box, man. I will not be put in a box. <laughs> I tried. Oh, well. <laughs> no, Is I that mean, the title of the episode? <laughs> you can't put me in a box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I didn't want to commit. I don't want to commit okay. to anything. And it, it's, right. it sucks. I mean, I think my wife is probably... <laughs> she wants me to commit she wants me to commit more than anything else you know and yeah it's all in flux that's the thing i, I you know strong beliefs loosely held I, well i maybe you know what without knowing this for sure and you don't even have to acknowledge whether i'm right or not maybe laura's more like me and it's where yeah like firm cutoffs feel really good it feels yes. like a decision has been taken and maybe i don't know exactly how to get to that decision point but i know what happens after it and i know from my brain that was huge when yes. I could set a date and I knew I was going to stop on that date. It just, it just take a huge load off as much as I like flexibility. I like plans. Yeah. And so it felt great to me. I, yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see if Laura will actually set a date and how that's going to work out. It's interesting to contemplate it. I mean, I don't feel that way at all. And someone said this in one comment on one of the videos, like, you know, you have a business you love and you like, not everyone has that, you know? And so that makes it harder to leave. It makes it, you know, especially if it's something you created on your own and all, all of it feels good to be able to do what we're doing, you know? And yeah. to walk away from that's a little strange to me, but. For guess, sure. Well, yeah. I think the other dynamic you have, and you've, you've alluded to this in the previous episode, is you're in a period of unusual positive momentum in your business. You've put in all this energy, you know, working with partners and you're seeing the results of that. And so to, while that slope looks like that, whatever it looks like, I'm just being dramatic here. While that slope is like, it's, it's, it's going to be the farthest thing from any rational person's yeah, mind. Like, true. well, I can't wait to turn off that spigot. <laughs> uh, but what I'm hearing from you is you can envision yourself at some point to be defined either, you know, ramping that down, making it more kind of automated, maybe bring in other people to help with it, maybe be more remote. You know, you're still traveling, but you're keeping a hand on the business or in the extreme, you're selling it off. So I think you're acknowledging, at least I'm taking from you that you're acknowledging there's a lot of ways it can go. You're open to many of them and you just kind of need to see where things go. So I don't think it's appropriate for anyone to comment as they have. I don't think Eric's ever going to retire. The, first of all, it's on none of us to determine what retirement looks like for anyone else. You know, retirement police, you know, be damned. But on the same note, I think you don't truly know what it's yeah. going to look like. But you're having the conversations you need to have with your partner about what that's going to look like and what your priorities are and drawing a line. And I think you're going to come to that. And I intend to hold you accountable for that. <laughs> I think what I what I do know is that I'm not sure I could do what you're doing right now in retirement and what I know a lot of people talk about taking side hustles one day a week or whatever yeah because I, I don't think I I think I'm unemployable I, I don't think I can go work for somebody else anymore and yeah and that's even, cool even in a job that's just requires no intellectual horsepower of my own or whatever I, yep. I and I I know that's not right for me but I would one of the things I was going to ask you about like one of the things I've seen over time as you've been retired yeah. is how you think about your time. Did you expect to be so uh, selfish with my time? Selfish is no, I'll use that word. Way. It's true. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. No, I didn't anticipate it at all. I knew I was looking forward to 
owning my time and having yeah. time freedom. If you look at my early blog posts, you know, it, it was what I wrote about more than anything was time freedom and how much I really appreciate yeah. it. And it's because like many, if not most people in the workplace, your time is defined by somebody else, deadlines, priorities, all that stuff. And so for me, it was just liberating. But the extreme example of that is <laughs> I became and still am getting better, greedy about that and not being willing to allocate my time or yes, I can, but I get to determine the when. And I know at times that's been tricky for us because you're incredibly busy with your work and getting to your fine number. And here I am past my fine number, like, nah, I don't really want to do that today. And so I've become only more and more aware of that. And so that awareness is the first step. The second is doing something about it and being more you know, free with it. Um, I definitely didn't anticipate it. Because so do you think it, you see it changing then? I do. Um, I think I'm probably getting better at saying no more explicitly. And that's something as part of my personality, I'm not great at, uh, in, in many, in many cases, not uniformly. I don't mean that I'm wishy-washy, but you know, I'm more apt to take stuff on and agree to do things and kind of sort of commit to things when maybe I should have just said no out of hand. I, I think on the other hand, you're probably a lot better about that from our conversations. I've gleaned that, but, um, I'm not. And so I think I am improving. I think I'm starting to be more honest with myself and therefore with others about what is most important to me. <laughs> but I think I'm still learning every day. Uh, and to be candid, Eric, you know, if there's one thing I've learned in the last few months that I definitely didn't realize the first few years after I retired is that, being free of work has given me the time to realize how much of how I act and respond to the world is really about things very innate to my personality that I never really took the time to understand or felt like I had the time. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the things I question and I wonder about right now are honestly more about me just being in this next chapter of my life and realizing oh, okay, that's why I do that or that's why this worries me. And work was a a distraction in many wow. respects from that. And so I think many retirees have found, and I know this because they commented on our last video, that you're now faced with looking inward a lot more than you did before. And it's not so much that retirement has changed you, that it's given you the space to do so. And so what you asked about, you know, this greediness about time is just one example of an area where I've learned some things about myself that are causing me to act this way. And I'm actually grateful that I now I'm taking the time to figure out some of that stuff because it's going to make me a happier person. It's going to make me interact with other people in, in more positive ways. And that can't be anything but a good thing. Yeah. Right on. Glad to hear it. One day at a time, man. We, we live it. We learn. You know, I think if there's one thing this community reminds itself of all the time is that there ain't one formula. You know, financial independence, pretty easy to define. Um, a lot of different types of math get you there. But what happens next when you have that freedom? That's an individual decision. You got to make it for yourself. You got to make it with your partner or whoever you spend your time with. And it's it's not appropriate for any of us to say, well, that's not the right way. <laughs> um, you just got to, we each got to choose for ourselves. Yeah, I'm getting pretty scared about it, man, to be honest. Ooh, thought sounds was, like we got more topics to I tee it, up I here. thought it was going to be happier. Oh no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's not at all the, the exit gate that I thought it was going to be initially. So it's, but it's, but it is always changing. Give it, yes. give it till next, next time we talk. Give it till next time. I mean, I don't know if it gives you solace, but the one thing that I've 
been consistent on when you've asked me or when it's come up in other contexts is I don't regret making the decision and taking it in the way I did. I'm still so motivated by having this opportunity and, and feel privileged that I have it and I enjoy it. And maybe I don't always leverage it to its maximum potential, but I think more often than not, I'm just reminded of, of how positive a thing this has been for me. And while I don't have a perfect path and I'm just ticking off the various mile posts on that path to the rest of my life, I'm, I'm enjoying so many things I'm able to do now and I'm looking forward to the things that come next. And next year that means more travel for sure. And we'll see where it goes from there. And so I, I hope, and while I know all of us worry about what comes next, when you decide to pull the trigger and stop working or change what you're doing for work, um, I think most people don't give it a second thought if you ask them a few years later. You're fast forwarding to the, uh, can't wait till you get to the end point of phi, which is what the, the death phase. What do they call that final phase? <laughs> I forget what you called it last time, but nobody likes that phase. The dirt nap. That's, I'm in no hurry to get to the dirt nap phase. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm still in the go-go phase. I don't even want to be in the slow-go. Uh, I'm pretty go-go at this point. I You're still feel like go-go. I have a lot of energy. It just, it just fails by about 8 p.m., and that's because I'm 50. Oh, God. But I'm really <laughs> excited until then. What time do you get up then? No, I, I, so I usually get up around... Uh, 5.30 these days. I've actually started sleeping in a little later. Wow. And uh, no, I'm usually up until 10.30 or 11. So it just depends. I have proven to myself recently that if I'm doing things with friends and it's super late, I can I can go the distance. So, you know, <laughs> don't be afraid of 50 or I'm sure I'm going to have people commenting and say they're 60 or 70 because I know they're watching. But yeah, we slow down. We get tired earlier, but I'm still having a blast and, and I'm grateful for it. We have this little automated plug in our bedroom that turns the fan on and it's set on a schedule during the week, you know, uh-huh. and so it kicks on at like 1030 or 11 or whatever. And I, I hear yeah. that and I'm like, <laughs> I immediately start getting sleepy. The cat, That's good sleep hygiene, man. The cat walks in the room. He's like, he's, he's up on the bed. I'm like, oh my God, how old am I? Our pets know the routine. Our dog is the first one that starts telling me it's time to go to bed. Just starts yeah. staring at me at yeah. like 930. I'm like, no, another hour. <laughs> you got to wait, buddy. <laughs> exactly. But you also know that like, I don't know if it's true for your dog, but when the cat goes to sleep, you know, you have a, it's like a ticking time bomb, man. You know, that thing's going to get up like six hours later, no matter what. So you no, the dog's it. good. She's uh, she likes her sleep. She's getting old. So oh, okay. she'll, she'll sleep through the night, thankfully. <laughs> She wouldn't be in the room if she's waking me up earlier, that's for sure. Oh, dude, yeah. Not okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's good chatting to you. <laughs> good chatting with you. Good luck in those discussions, and I know you're going to share what you can with us, and I look forward to it. Yeah. All right. Cheers, man. Bye. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Music